Are you tired of people always telling you what you want to hear and not what you need to hear? Me too. Are you ready to actually do something about it? Hi, I'm Lauren Lahav, and for the past 30 plus years, I've been blessed to speak and to impact thousands of people around the world. I've shared the stage with the world's top thought leaders, including Barbara Walters, Tony Robbins, Barbara Corcoran, and Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm also a personal development, lifestyle, and business coach, event producer, and entrepreneur with businesses in over 25 countries. I'm a wife and a proud mama to three and a bonus mom to one. Trust me when I tell you, it took me many years of buying into my old story of I'm not enough and lots of grit to finally let go of the BS. So I understand firsthand what it means and what it took. They don't call it the school of hard knocks for nothing. This podcast is my way of breaking down the BS filters of what we say, what we do, and how we interact with others. I will be sharing what worked for me, yet more importantly, what didn't work for me. This is a no-fluff podcast where we will address real-life issues, real issues that seem to surface when you least expect it, relationship conflict and breakdowns, and real solutions. I will share from my life experiences and those of other everyday heroes, as well as the world's top experts are all here to help you grow through the process of letting go and finally expressing your true voice, who you are and what you stand for. In a world of political correctness and living our lives on social media, it's hard to know what is real. And are you taking in so much information, but not applying what you've learned? In my life, I always look to the people who understand what I'm going through and are willing to get honest and forthcoming with me to help me grow through these challenges. Trust me, I've had them all, and I'm going to take the time to be as real as possible and get to solutions. I've had financial issues, parenting issues, marriage issues, emotional issues. You know, the list goes on. I've learned from my challenges. I've grown from them and continue to learn from them. I see them now as opportunities. With this podcast, we're going to tune up our lives. I'll be your cup of espresso to get you through whatever you're going through in your life that's holding you back, to give you that confidence and trust of knowing someone is there to help and guide you, yet you have to do the work. So strap in, hang on tight, and let's get real. Everybody, welcome back. I know it's been a while, but I am back with something that I feel we all need to hear from my beautiful friend, Tamerly, and you're going to love her. So get ready, get ready to go outside when you listen to this particular podcast. So make sure you're not sitting at your desk. Make sure you're doing what Tamerly's doing, which is sitting under a tree and uh, recording this with me. So I can't wait for you to hear her backstory and to hear ways that we can really get connected again. You know, I think that lots of times we create so much separation from nature, from each other, and how do we really come back together? So Tamerly, welcome. I'm very excited to share you with the world. I also want to thank you again for being one of our sponsors for Own Your Worth this past year. Um, And just your love for nature, your love for connecting to nature and reminding us of how important this is to our mental, our physical, um, all our health, our overall health. So share with us a little bit of your backstory, and then I'll ask you some questions. 
Thank you, Lauren. Wow, it's just such an honor to be here with you today on your podcast. I I dive deep into your podcast so often and just seek so much inspiration and and own your worth. Oh my gosh, what a transformational experience. And I was so honored to be a part of Own Your Worth and just so grateful for all of the um, transformation that I've had since meeting you a little over a year ago. And so it's a joy to be here with you on this podcast. I'm very and so, excited. year and a half. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. So share. Yes. Remember when, um, one, when you shared at the mastermind in Sedona, when we went over to the vortex and some of the beautiful things that you reminded us that we tend to forget. Um, so share this, like how, how did this come to be everything that you're doing with your, um, your foundation and everything? Sure. So I guess, you know, I've, I've always grown up around nature and, uh, my parents owned a pet store for 17 years. I was always deeply rooted and connected. And ultimately, I, I sailed to Guatemala on a pirate ship um, when I was 21 and, and jumped ship. And, you know, that shifted my life in such a powerful way, working with sea turtles and um, doing tree planting projects in the country. And then when I came back, just pursuing my career and and wildlife and forestry and um, and conservation of the land that gives us the life we live each and every day. I mean, just if you look around you, no matter where you are, if you're sitting at your desk right now, we're surrounded by nature. And so through my journey, I, I landed at the U.S. Forest Service and I worked there for many years in conservation, education, community engagement, working with diverse communities and and during that time, I actually found this practice called forest therapy, um, or some call it shinbin-yoku, which is the Japanese practice of forest bathing or bathing in the atmosphere of the forest. And so as I sit here underneath these trees, I'm being bathed in these phyton sites. There are volatile chemicals being released from trees and other plants. And as we breathe them in and as they absorb into our skin, the Japanese found in the early 80s that this was also, it being, these being their immune systems, this is also supporting our own immune systems. And it, so it reduces cortisol levels, which is the, um, the stress hormone. And so it reduces our stress. And these phyton signs also increase our natural killer cells. So these are cells that fight off or ward off cancer and other autoimmune diseases. And so the Japanese have been practicing this for quite some time. But I mean, if you think about it, humans, we are nature. And we, being a part of nature, often forget that we are part of nature. And nowadays, we're spending like 90% of our time indoors. And either in our homes or in a car or getting to our office and inside. And so being able to reconnect with nature in a, in a very intentional way can be super powerful for improved mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. And so this is a practice that I found while I was working with the Forest Service. I actually... Um, left the Forest Service in January of 2020 to launch my own 
uh, Small Business Conservation Connection. And of course, as we all know, as you say, the mandatory pause happened. And, and so my, my intention was how to bring this practice to the world in, in whatever way I could to support having this become a part of people's lives. And the, the practice that, that I was trained in is actually a guided practice where we guide people into sensory connection with the natural world, slowing people down to the rhythm of nature. And then all of a sudden, I mean, we call it kind of a liminal space where you lose track of time and it just becomes like this, almost this bubble of, of noticing and seeing things that are happening around you in the natural world that you wouldn't normally see or experience. And so so I've seen, yeah. Just stop you for a second, because I think that, I think everybody can relate to this. And there's a couple things go back to, you know, we all forget that we are all surrounded by nature. There's something we can appreciate in nature, whether you're in a big city or whether you're, you know, um, just, I would love to know just some practical things maybe that you've noticed one before the mandatory pause of people that were using, you know, really getting out in nature. I know for me, I set an alarm so that at least every 30 minutes I go outside after I do a call or after I do something. So I make sure to get charged, charged up again. So could you talk a little bit about some of the things you can do? Like if you're back, like you said, everybody's on their computers or, you know, there's a lot of people that during that mandatory pause did, you know, get the van and go travel and go to the national parks. And, you know, I know that here in Las Vegas, it was at Red Rock, you couldn't just go out there how I normally would. You have to reserve a time to go out because everybody was like, oh my gosh, they could feel the nature pulling them. But what are some of the things that you've noticed, like some specific things about people recharging themselves or some ways that they can recharge? Well, first, I love your idea and what you're doing for your own personal well-being, going out, you know, setting that alarm because it, is, it serves as a reminder. And when we do go out and say you sit on your patio, you know, outside of your home and you look into the trees or the leaves of certain bushes that surround your flowers. We have fractal patterns that surround us in nature. And so just these fractal patterns can reboot your neurological system and it brings you back into attention restoration. And so if we're sitting at our desks and we're just like, you know, we, we almost lose focus. And so if we can do like what you're saying, just take these short kind of, you know, a different type of bio break and going outside and just sitting and being, maybe even closing your eyes and noticing your different senses, like our five senses. You know, if we notice what we're smelling, notice what we're maybe even tasting in the air, noticing the sounds that are around us, pulsing out from the sounds closest to our body and then the sounds that are farthest away. Um, also touch, just noticing touch and, and say you have some plants in your yard and just, you know, feeling the leaves and then maybe what is the aroma there? And so all of these sensory connections really help to reboot our neurological system. They can help to bring calm to us, reduce our cortisol levels, because we know cortisol levels are really linked to so many chronic diseases. I mean, what are we experiencing in the world, right? Chronic disease. And this, this practice of, of shindin yoku or forest therapy or nature therapy um, 
it really was as a result of people disconnecting from nature. Um, suicide rates were increasing, all kinds of you know chronic disease in their country. And so they started to take people out to their national forests and conduct research around it. So there's a tremendous body of research that shows that all of these things that we can do in, in small forms. And I, I did a, a little you know Facebook Live um, at your challenge. And you know it was about smelling the roses. It really it is about smelling the roses, stopping and smelling the roses. And just aromas have been found to be so incredibly powerful. If we can bring, say, seven to eight aromas into our lives each and every day, it can help to improve our cognition. It can help to, again, reboot our neurological systems. There have been numerous studies where um, people, and especially in elder communities, it helps to reduce dementia and Alzheimer's related issues. And, you know, with my grandmother and the community where I spend a lot of time, I have noticed these things. That's awesome. And so it's really, truly the power of nature. You know, it's funny because also talking, we were talking about pine trees and I was telling you that my husband is like, oh my gosh, that big pine tree, like all of those needles that they just fall on the ground is so irritating. And it's <laughs> bad because I I hate to see trees cut down. He says like, we need to cut that tree down. And then you shared with me the importance of the pine needles. Can you share a little bit about that? I thought that that was very interesting. Absolutely. So one of the things that has been discovered through research is that conifers, say pine trees or um, cedars, cypress trees, they are the ones that actually expel more of these phytoncides or these volatile chemicals. So it's kind of like, you know, essential oils, so to speak. They are. That's what they are. And if you are surrounded by these trees, um, you are going to be receiving more of these phytoncides. So helping to reduce your stress and helping to um, increase those natural killer cells and also, you know, the fractal patterns in those trees. But the pine needles, I mean, gosh, you can utilize those for your mulch around your plant. So instead of looking at them as a nuisance, right, it's a, it's a true resource. I mean, talk about being resourceful, you know, here is a tree giving you something you truly need. And so utilizing those as, oh, just kind of, you know, scraping them up and putting them around some of your other plants that helps to nourish the soil. Because oftentimes we're just like, oh, break it all away. No, actually, the soil needs to be replenished and rejuvenated. And the health of soils equals that of the health of plants and people. And so we're doing a lot of research around the relationship among healthy soils, healthy trees, healthy people. And so I think, you know, it, it could be, gosh, a lot of the indigenous communities actually harvest these needles and make needle baskets, you know. So in some traditions, they're very well renowned, um, these trees. So I, I feel like, huh, we can look at some things and what, what can we do with the needles so that your husband's not as annoyed? <laughs> you know? I'm going to go get me some pine needles and put them in a bath. I was like, mm, maybe I'll do that. I wonder if that would work. Yeah, you can just breathe them in, right? And often you can make pine needle tea. It's one of the most beneficial teas. Um, 
humans have made this tea for cent, you know, eons and, and you just kind of, um, and these would be the, the green needles. So just kind of collect the needles and, and kind of crush them. So you can smell the aroma and maybe just breathing those in and then steeping them for about 15 to 20 minutes. And it's high levels of vitamin C, antioxidants. And so maybe in some of your traditions, you know, in your home, you could even use the pine needle tea, you know, as a part. Uh, people use them in ceremonial practices all the time. And we use them in the nature and forest therapy practice. I often use either cedar or pine because pine needles of all of the species of pine are tremendously beneficial. I know I take pine needle oil. And then I know that when a friend of mine was going through cancer treatment, that they gave her a pine, like an IV. I think that was the big thing. To wow. Do. I, yeah. So um, amazing, right? Nature really does. But what else? What else? What's another practice that people can do? Maybe if they're not around nature and they're like in a concrete jungle and they feel like they can't get out. Maybe just like you said, have some pine needle tea or what other things would you, would you suggest for people? Yes. Um, and first really to uh, reiterate what you just said, um, the Japanese, the people of South Korea, the Republic of Korea have been actually utilizing pine forest and, and cedar cypress forest to heal people with cancer. And so it is seen as a, a true, um, mechanism to support people in cancer recovery and um, and many cancer thrivers who I know actually practice that so going out underneath the trees and I would say that you know one thing that happened during the mandatory pause is that this practice of nature and forest therapy um, was traditionally in person right and then suddenly we couldn't do it in person anymore and so we as everyone else tried zoom and guess what it worked beautifully because what we do is this practice of bringing people into nature connection through these kind of, um, it's a series of a standard se sequence of invitations that we use. So it's very open and sensory and there's no right way and there's no wrong way to do it. And so suddenly we were bringing in people from around the world on a single Zoom call, just like you do, bringing people together in community. And what happens is guiding people where they pulsed out for like 10 minutes at a time, they were doing it with a plant, you know, like a, a, a house plant or maybe a fish tank or some wooden objects that were around them or some rocks that they had or, or seashells that they had in their home from a, a memorable journey they had taken. And so what happens is when you start to really notice nature around you, you can become connected to to nature around you. So it's not about going necessarily, although a lot of people are going to national parks or national forests, and it's really about your own nearby nature. A lot of people were doing this from their homes and they would start inside and then suddenly they'd be pulsing out because they would notice other people like stepping out onto their porch or onto a balcony or walking out into their yards and some would end up in a garden, you know? And so we were coming back to share and part of this particular practice that is a derivative of Shindinyoku is the sharing piece. It's about sharing in circle, you know, and when you share things that you're noticing, 
it maybe in your own nearby nature, it inspires maybe other people to notice those things during the next invitation. Or you might notice, oh, I'm noticing similar things that this person has noticed. Or, oh, I might want to try to look for that after, you know, in the next invitation. So it was really um, powerful to see how the reciprocity emerged in this practice because again we're all in zoom and you can kind of see what people are doing and some people would bring their plant you know to the screen or they were doing it with their cat or their dog or you know a lot of furry friends and even daily friends and they would come and bring them so they became a part of the circle too other beings right we're not we're human beings but then you have other beings the more than human world and so you start to notice and when you do this outside in an outdoor setting, often you'll notice birds coming in because you're slowing down or there might be a toad you know, that kind of appears. Or I have had some very special experiences with dragonflies that allowed me to reach out and touch the abdomen and just, I mean, that's never happened before. And, and so I've seen my own personal transformation and I've seen transformation of others in these circles, people who I've guided, people who have gone through, you know, this practice is, is becoming a guide, um, you, you transform. And it's, a, it's through noticing and a remembering of our own connection with the natural world around us, no matter if we're indoors or outdoors, you know, it's that nature is everywhere and we are nature. I can't see you right now. I just love watching you because you get so excited about this. You know, so was there a point, was there a defining moment that you said, oh my God, I have to do this. Like, this is, this is, this is my calling. Like what happened and have you be this lit up about this? So I, I was living in Washington, DC, working for the U.S. Border Service there in our headquarters. And one of my favorite kind of superhero scientist, social scientist, Kathy Wolf was presenting at the Native American Museum. And so I went to see her and she had two slides talking about forest bathing and forest therapy. And I approached her after her presentation. She said, I think there's some guides around here. And there's a, an organization that does this type of work. So I immediately went home and just started researching that night. And I found two guides in DC and that served kind of the DMV area. And so I reached out to both. One responded a week later, I'm on this forest therapy walk. And I thought, oh, I'm sure I've done this before. You know, I'm nature girl. Like I'm in conservation education with the forest service. You know, like our goal is to connect people to nature and educate them about being good stewards. Right. But we're always like, how can we connect people in a powerful way that makes it meaningful and relevant to them? So I go on this walk and this forest therapy walk, and it was a three-hour walk. I'm like, what are we going to do for three hours? We're in this urban park in Georgetown. And so we begin, and literally after like 20 minutes, I realized mm -mm, I have never done this before. And there we were for three hours, and I remember, like, it seemed like maybe an hour. You know, it, that liminal space totally kicked in. And I remember being in the circle and there were about 20 people there. And there was a, an elderly woman. She was probably in her 80s, 90s. And it was really slow and deliberate. Like nobody rushed anywhere. There was not a, there was no, like, there was no destination. 
You know, it's not about how to get there, when to get there. No, it, it's just a slow, deliberate, like movement and in, in nature. And when we come back into these circles at the end, we had this tea ceremony. And I remember people saying things like, I thought, what am I going to do out here for three hours? Kind of like I thought. And I realized, oh my God, I could have been at home sitting in front of the TV, wasting my life away. When I was here for three hours, it, experiencing so many things that, that I've forgotten. I remember, you know, lying in the grass and looking up at the clouds and remembering I haven't done this in so long. And there were people saying the same thing because some were like lying in the grass, looking through the blades of grass. Right. And, Oh, I haven't done this since I was a child. And so we lose the connection that we have our child within that really creates joy in us each and every day. And, and nature has that power. And so I literally went that week, um, that next week, I went to my director and I asked her if I could pursue becoming a guide because I knew this was one way that we, instead of just teaching people about being a good steward, <laughs> you know, that it's an opening, it's a doorway into That's, creating connection. As like we were talking about, it's different between like just teaching people information, giving them an experience, right? It's putting them in that experience and they start to remember when they did do that, right? Or they, and it's the nostalgia that comes with it. And I think for so many younger generations, it's important for us to kind of do that so that they have the nostalgia of what it really feels like. So tell me, so what would be one or two things that you want to make sure that people know? What do they need to, what do they, what is like, first of all, how has it changed you? So it changed me in a lot of ways in that, you know, I was, I was working for this federal agency and I, I loved what I do. I loved what I did and what I still do. And I'm very, very connected to them still, but it gave me the, you know, there's a lot about how this practice creates a stronger intuition and creates a pull. And, and so you can notice things around you and sometimes we might call it divine intervention you know you, you start to notice things happening and then you notice the pull and you start believing in yourself you know you start believing in in your own worth and and so it gave me what I needed to step away from that agency although I loved it and still do um, to pursue something different and and so I stepped away like I said in January 2020 and I felt tremendous growth and tremendous belief in myself and I do attribute that to my ability to come like I come out here almost each and every day to these trees and and that's something that I do every day is like seek the healing powers of nature and and also to know that you know, me as a guide, like we're, we're called nature force therapy guides. Those of us who've been trained in this methodology, but in truth, I mean, we always say the forest is the therapist, the guide opens the doors. And there is something I think really powerful about being guided or led in, and the methodology in which I'm trained, but you know, it's not that you need to have that just to be able to go and, it's true that nature and forests are healing no matter how you're guided in. You can guide yourself in. Like I said, just 
being able to go outside, close your eyes. And I recommend closing your eyes just because it brings awareness. It brings awareness to other senses that often we lose connection with. I mean, the sense of smell is one of our most powerful senses. And we really don't use it as much anymore as, you know, as humans these days. Um, the, the power of sound. And uh, it helps us to then notice. And the power of, you know, we might say our five senses that most of us are very well aware of. Although we've lose, lost contact with some of those senses, it starts those igniting those senses opens other senses, opens um, intuition, opens creativity. When I need to write something, I generally come sit under these trees, and I really feel like nature is giving us messages all the time. And if we listen. You know, they help to ignite our creativity and our spontaneity and, and our belief in ourselves and our messages that we're supposed to send in the world. So, the, you know, these are kind of like other beings that help me along my own journey. And I feel like um, if we remember our connection, oftentimes we can start to notice you know, it's like the leaves falling from the trees in, in, in the fall. That might be for many, oh, it's something that's being shed that no longer serves. And so that is a mirror, right? What is something in my life that I'm shedding that no longer serves me or that I can shed so that I can open to other things? So just kind of those um, those nuances in the natural world, a lot of life and death. And, I, you know, I... Um, I just lost one of my little fur babies, Dot, and I immediately went to a podcast that you did with BJ Miller, and I'm just so touched by that podcast on so, so many levels, and I go and listen to it all the time, and in that loss, you know, I was sitting outside and sitting under some trees listening to the podcast, and, you know, I noticed how you and he spoke about the power of nature. And how, you know, he was saying that one of the things he does is like connects with the more than human world. And, you know, his dog, had, uh, Maisie, had just passed. And, you know, I, I find myself connecting in that way as well. And, and I know the power of it. And so ha just reminding yourself that stepping outside, taking some deep breaths, realizing that the breath we're breathing is the breath that other beings are breathing too. And it's like this reciprocity. And I feel like also not just taking from nature, but giving back because it is about that reciprocal effect. If we're going to take, I mean, a lot of, you know, natural resources that we talk about resources, like, Oh, this is what ours, this is what we can take, but what can we give back? because it is some, it is a give and take. And so I'm always, when I'm out here, I'm always thinking, oh, what can I give back? And when we nurture nature, nature nurtures us. And so it is the reciprocal effect. I love that. I love it. Well, I named my plants. So they've all got names in my house. Welcome. That, does that tree behind you have a name? Do you, I don't know. I've just been, I, I definitely think it's a girl. So um, yes. 
that is a girl and she actually has, I mean, there are some effects of her that um, tell me she is a beautiful divine female. So yeah, yeah, yeah. She's amazing. Interesting, but then you could tell which is kind of like, somebody got like, you're a girl, you're a boy. You could tell like that, you know, that it's interesting, right? It's almost like if you do take the time to listen, you know, pay attention what they're what they're saying. I loved how you also shared how the trees communicate to each other that we forget about. Can you talk a little bit about that? Just about trees communicating to each other, warning each other of danger, warning, you know, letting them know that something's coming. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's really beautiful. Um, one of a kind of research superhero of mine, Dr. Suzanne Smard from the University of British Columbia. You know, she began this research many, many years ago where she started to create a mechanism to see if trees were communicating with one another. And she found that, yes, they were. And now it's it's a tremendous practice, you know, and, and um, a lot of research going into this in terms of how beneath the soil, the mycelium or the it's it's the fungal kind of mycelium wrapped around the roots of trees and other plants that interconnect. It's like the world wide web, um, so to speak, beneath the soil where they're actually sharing resources with one another. So the power of the mother tree and how she can actually communicate with her young, um, her offspring, these are, she knows that they are hers. And so she'll give more resources to them, water, nutrients. And then also they'll give nutrients and resources to other trees in the community. So it's not just their kin, but others in their community. And so whenever I was studying and, you know, for my forestry degree, I remember it always being about like competition. They're always in competition with one another. And I'm like, now, uh, I don't think so. I think it's more of a collaboration. It's more interdependence. It's more about how, you know, trees can support one another and the community of other organisms. You know, it's not just the tree, right? It's it's everything all together in community. What's the mother tree? Whoops, my dogs, my dogs want to know about the mother tree. How <laughs> the mother tree? How is the mother tree? How do you know what's the mother tree? So there's a lot of research going into that as well. And people are looking and searching for these mother trees. Um, she, Suzanne Smard, did identify that uh, individual trees and usually, obviously, it's, you know, large tree in a forest and that they are a center point, kind of a, a node, so to speak, of the community. And so, yeah, and when, what they do is they're able to share more and more resources to support their the young and even, again, other species. And so there is like this new citizen science effort to identify mother trees, you know, around the world. It's really amazing. That's why I think um, the big tree in Fiji is a mother tree. Yeah. And I, I just I felt such a connectedness to that tree. I, I went back with such a new awareness, like when you shared with me some of the things that you did and why she was endangered. And I had, I was like, wow, I even noticed I, I changed where I normally park, you know, because normally they would have us park right near there. And after talking with you and you sharing that she was in danger or couldn't breathe, 
because of the deck and all of those things that you shared, I was like, okay, well, I can make a tiny difference here and I can just not park the car near the tree. I can go way far away from her and give her some more breathing room. I started, so yeah, I think it all comes back to awareness. Well, this has been very fun. Um, I really enjoyed it. Tell people how they can find out more about working with you on your, everything that you teach. Well, I have a website, Conservation Connections, and Connections is not spelled normally. It's spelled C-O-N-E-X-I-O-N-S. I was trying to kind of weave in a little bit of the Latino community engagement, which I've been engaged throughout my life. And then also just that connections, you know, that X, that connect, connectedness. And I'm, I've been posting quite a bit on my personal Facebook, Tamberly Kirk Conway. And I do have a uh, Conservation Connections Facebook page as well. So really trying to work on propelling that social media element for us. Connections, uh, C-O-N-E-X-I-O-N-S is the Instagram that I also am working to propel. So just a, a variety of ways to get in contact with me. And, you know, I, I'd love to work not, not just in propelling this practice, but to share this vision of expanding this work through establishing forest therapy centers. We talk about biohack centers. Well, talk about a biohack as being in the center of a forest. And, you know, these have been uplifted throughout um, South Korea. There are 35 of these, these national forest therapy centers. And, you know, part of, I feel like my hero's journey was being inspired by Dr. Wonsup Shin, who was the former minister of the Korea Forest Service, who left, like I left the Forest Service, to bring this practice into public policy. And now they actually have a Forest Welfare Act in their country and have these state-of-the-art national forest therapy centers all over the nation. And so I envision also having these scattered throughout our nation and other countries as well. Um, helping people to understand their true power of nature connection and healing uh, where people can actually go and like revitalize. And so this is just one of the things, you know, along with caring for the land and planting trees and caring for trees so that we can nurture nature. So nature nurtures us. We know that trees provide so many uh, benefits for us as humans and and so that just continues to grow. And any way that I can support and provide, you know, any um, any services to be able to propel people in their own visions of that type of work, I would be more than honored. So absolutely. Things with us this year at Own Your Worth too, and hopefully give everybody an experience. Experience it a little bit more. So thank you so much. I've had a great time. I have, please make sure that you comment about how much you love this podcast with beautiful Tamberly. I really am blessed to have you in my life and uh, help me create even more awareness of how I can connect even more to, you know, it's funny because it, it's funny how you came into my life because for the past 30 years, one of my non-negotiable, one of my code of conducts is always every day. And I have it written down to appreciate something in nature every day. Like that's mm -hmm. on my code of conduct. And even like right here, I'm looking like, and, and that could be as simple as looking outside and looking at the trees or, you know, looking at the red rocks. I think that people, you know, it's not as hard as we, it needs to be. We just need to make 
it a priority for us to connect so we can be more connected. And we wonder what, if you might be feeling why you're not as connected to your mission, your vision, it might be you're not really connecting to all this beauty that's around us. It's like you said, giving to us, we just need to give it back some as well. So thank you so much. I can't wait for everybody to share and get to know you a lot more the way that I have. So thank you so much. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me on today and for helping to share this message of our inner relationship and the power of nature connection. Thank you. How awesome was today? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends to join as well. I'm here for you with fabulous content, great guests, and lots of giveaways. To learn more of how I have taken what I've learned, applied it to my life, helped others find their true voice, text TRUE to 26786, which will give you my top tune-ups and a complimentary 15-minute discovery call with one of our coaches. And remember, keep in touch with me on Instagram at I am Lauren Lahav, Facebook Lauren Lahav Official, Clubhouse Lauren Lahav. Make sure you text TRUE, T-R-U-E, to 26786. Text TRUE, T-R-U-E, to 26786. And remember to always stay true to the amazing person you are.